With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The key pass works as a blessing, if you know what I mean. We are back at it, 9.07. Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Kathy Lee, good morning. Hope you enjoyed uh, enjoyed your weekend. I think some probably enjoyed the weekend more than others, right? I mean, just, just guessing. And hi, fellas and ladies. Hi, and Dave. Men and women. Oh, hi, Kathy. Hi. Hi, Kathy. Good afternoon. Good morning. morning. Good morning. morning. I feel like it's afternoon. Well, technically, us. it's your second show, so... For most mere mortals, it might be afternoon. Um, weekend, you're talking about the weekend? Yeah. I can't get rid of this damn cough, and it's killing me. I do not sleep at night. Do you have a, do you, are you taking? Uh, I have two inhalers. I'm taking. What is it, bronchitis? Nope. What is it? Just a cough that won't go away. Doesn't it have to be something? Do we ever have, is something just ever a cough? <laughs> it's got to be bronchitis. Got to well, be. Bronchitis no, has various degrees of bronchitis. Well, was it? Maybe we need to like, I used to have to do that because my daughter had asthma real bad. So I had to pound on her back. Get the yep, Get, the, get yeah. the stuff out of her lungs. Um, I, I went to the doctor and they said it's my asthma acting up. Oh. But so I'm on two inhalers. Oh. Some cough medicine and nothing's helping at this point. Cold weather can exacerbate asthma, even though you think like asthma... Most people think about hot weather, but when it gets really cold, you know, it's chilly. And she was up in Vail all weekend, too, which is less oxygen, drier. It's probably going to slow down your healing. Maybe you ought to get in Rick's hyperbaric chamber. Maybe. It's been literally like a month. Seriously, you you really. I'm not kidding. You should. Then I have to see Rick after the show. Or you can come get mine. Yeah, go to You live Dave's by Dave. Dave's closer. Yeah, yeah Dave's right. way closer. Yeah. yeah. Rick is sort of a day trip. Yeah, that's true. You know, peanut butter and jelly. Some, some <laughs> water, some ice. Back of the lunch. lunch, yeah. It's all good. Yeah, I drive by your house though every weekend on the way to the mountains. Well, not right by my house. I, I drive by just to make sure that everything's okay. You, you so you're the guys that are looking, yeah, yes. driving by slow. Yeah, yeah we go by Dub Two Eighty Five. Uh huh. You right, know, right. And then I like kind of pull over. Me too. Mm-hmm. Make Stop sure he's doing stuff all right. in your yard. Yeah. Uh, gosh, a lot of action. Uh, a lot of football action over the weekend. Plenty of things to talk about. Yes, we do, Dave. Rich Gangarello fired as the offensive coordinator of the Broncos. That news came down yesterday. Although, um, I think there were some of us that, I, I'll just be perfectly honest about it. When Vic came out in his press conference and he was asked directly, do you anticipate all three coordinators coming back? And he said, yes. I, I was more than mildly surprised. I, I was not shocked, but I was somewhere in between. Because honestly, I, I thought from calling the games and being around the game for a long time and talking to P 
people within the organization, I, I thought there might be two coordinators, at least that would have the possibility of being changed out. So when he said, and I anticipate them all back, I'm thinking, wow, that's not really what, what I'm hearing, but okay. So then when yesterday's news came down, Rick, I, I wasn't, you know, some people are shocked. I wasn't overly shocked. I really wasn't. I was surprised because Vic said he was bringing him back a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, naturally you're going to be a little surprised when that was said publicly. But on the other hand, like you said, Dave, we know that there was frustration in the organization uh, about the the not only the the lack of productivity on the offense, but uh, the fact that they were so conservative. And then Joe Flacco voiced his concern. What was that? The sixth game, or was that was the eighth game? Uh, that's the game he hurt his neck. He never came back after that. So the the game in Indianapolis, uh, post game in the locker room, talking to Dave Logan, and he went on a rant about you know we we don't play to win, we play not, not to, to lose. lose. And so that was the first real. I guess, indication that there might have been a, a problem. And so when you consider all that, then it's not surprising. And he was a rookie offensive coordinator in the National Football League. Um, I, I felt like he turned the corner. I, I I think the last three, four games, well, especially when they put Drew Locke in, that they uh, they definitely came around and looked much better. But he, he had a lot of growing pains early. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I think you're going to have that with with rookie offensive coordinators, right? I think that now there's there's all sorts of theories out there as to okay, how did how did this happen? That Vic, you know, Vic wanted a much more aggressive offensive style. Uh, I, I think that may be partially true. I mean, I think you you also have to give a head coach uh, autonomy to make moves like this. But rest assured that. The Broncos organization, and and John Elway in particular, were okay with that move. Anybody who thinks that it was Vic that basically had to go in and beat the drum and say, I want a different offensive coordinator and convince uh, other people out there, in this case, John, I, I think that is, that's, that's not true. I, I, I honestly think, and I haven't talked to John personally about this, but I think John wanted, I think John Elway wanted the offense to be more aggressive. I think he wanted, especially when Drew got in, Drew Locke, he wanted that offense to take more shots, to try to create more big plays. I mean, the reality of it is the NFL is is based on what you do. And if you look at the Broncos' offense this year, I mean, they had the fewest points. I think they scored 200 and, what was it, 292 points or thereabouts. That was the fewest points scored in 27 years. Now you can say that Rich Gangarello got better, and I agree with Rick. I think he, I think he did get better as the offense sort of moved on, and they got better with Drew Locke. But the reality is, they still ranked in the bottom third of virtually every important offensive category. So um, now you, now you're on to Pat Shermer. Uh, Pat Shermer's been a head coach before. He's been an offensive coordinator at multiple places in the NFL. He's regarded as a, you know, a bright offensive mind. We'll see. I mean, if you go back and look at some of his numbers and, and you go strictly on numbers where, where he was the offensive coordinator, which you really can't do, but some people do, 
well, then I don't know how much of an upgrade this this really will be. You certainly are going to get an upgrade in a guy, in the sense, a guy that has done it before, has had that on his resume, and you know has been at this for for a long, long time. Pat Shermer is probably what mid fifties, so. I mean, I'm anxious. I'm anxious to see what the offense will look like moving forward. Well, they have a former head coach on their staff now. Now they have two former head coaches on their staff, Munchak and Shermer, and I believe they're the only team in the NFL that has that as a part of their coaching staff uh, as assistant coaches. And so I think that that's that's a good thing. I, I think it's a good hire. Uh, the guy's got a lot of experience, uh, a lot of a lot of success, I should say, as an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, and. Um, it's being reported that he really wanted to work with Drew Locke. He liked Drew. He yep. liked Drew, and that's why that's why the Broncos were able to get him. Several teams interested in him, uh, and so when the Broncos saw that they could get Pat Shermer and that he wanted to be here, I think that's what what made them pull the trigger on uh, on Scangarillo. Uh, other than that, if that if if Shermer wasn't available, you have to wonder maybe if they were going to keep Scangarillo, like they said they were a couple weeks ago. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's you know the domino effect in the NFL when when somebody that you you actually you know you think highly of becomes available, right? But Shermer Shermer, I mean, had been out of the head coaching job with the Giants. How, was he? This would be fun to go back and look at. Had the Giants announced that they were making a move before Vic Fangio's final press conference? That's what I was thinking too. We should go back and look at that the timeline of that. Yeah, because that we could be telling. And looking back, Dave, when you consider that Vic Fangio's a rookie head coach, a defensive specialist, and then they went out and hired a rookie offensive coordinator, it it seems like kind of a maybe not a good combination. Yeah, I think there was some – I mean, listen, there's – there's, and this is not anything unusual, and this is not really a huge story. I don't mean to make that out. But I think judging from people I talked to, there, there, was, there was some friction – between Rich Gangarello and Vic Fangio. And I think that's going to happen. And it's especially going to happen when the head coach is is a guy that is basically his background has been on one side of the ball. And I, I, I go all the way back to Mike Shanahan. Um, I mean, there was, believe me, there was friction during the Broncos championship season, their first one, between Mike Shanahan and Greg Robinson. Um, there just was. You know, the head coach, he's calling the offense, and you know what? You, I want your defense to play better. I mean, how about that? that and it, it's really as simple as that. So, and, and it happens all the time, and it, it sometimes can be constructive, and sometimes you work your way through it. So just because I'm saying there was some friction between Vic and Rich doesn't really mean anything because it happens all the time. But in this case, I think you go back and you look at it, it must have gotten to the point for, for Vic where he said, hey, I, I just I don't see us getting there as fast as I want to get there. And I think we can be better at that spot. And I'll say this, um, I, I think the Broncos showed some stones here because from a PR standpoint, it doesn't necessarily have a good look to it. What are you, what are you guys firing another offensive coordinator? What is this now, five and six years? What are, you, what are you guys doing? It gives you the appearance for people that don't really follow it that closely that you really you don't know what you're doing. But I, I, I would say 
I give him credit for saying, you know what? This is not, we think we can be better. Here's how we think we can be better. And are we going to not make this move because we don't want it to appear to some that, okay, here we go again. And the answer to that was no. We think we can be better. Let's go get Pat Shermer and see what we can do. Well, we can check the timeline. To me, uh, it seems like once they knew they could get Pat Shermer, then they had to go revisit, hey, should we keep Scangarella? I'm just, I, I don't know anything. I'm just, that's my perception of it. And also with the emergence of Drew Locke as well. So you had a couple things that happened here down the stretch, and it's imperative they develop Drew Locke. I mean, it's, this is a big deal. you got to get a guy in here that can work with Drew Locke and make him the guy, make him better. Mm-hmm. And I think when those two things happened, uh, that's when they went, okay, yeah, we better – we better pull the trigger on this deal. We can look at the timeline. I don't know uh, when they fired Shermer. I, I, I don't remember. But I, I think it's probably about the same time that um, about the same time that they made the statement about Scangarella. I, we'd have to look. Pat Shermer was going to be the offensive coordinator of the Bears had he not taken the OC job with the Broncos. So for, for, whatever, for whatever that's worth. I also think if you look at Pat Shermer's offense in New York, I mean, they they were predominantly a shotgun team. Uh, their quarterback was in the shotgun a bunch. So we'll see. It, it goes against the idea, I think. Rich Gangarello came from Kyle Shanahan, and Kyle Shanahan came from Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak and – all those things. So I think think the idea when, when they brought Rich Gangarello here was that we're we're gonna morph into what the Niners offense looks like and you know, we're still gonna be able to run the ball. We still want our guy under center a great deal of time. And and maybe this is as plain as seeing Drew Locke for five games and seeing how he played that the powers to be said, you know what? We've, we've got to be able to do some of. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 website for details. What teams like Kansas City are doing. I mean, Pat Mahomes is, is not under center too much. Now, Drew Locke is not Pat Mahomes. May never be. Probably won't be. I mean, probably because you're talking about one of the elite young quarterbacks I think that this league has has seen. He's got he's got such a tremendous skill set. But I just think the Broncos came to the conclusion Vic Fangio, John Elway combination whatever that you know what? We got to take advantage of this young guy and I'm open-minded enough to think okay, we we've got to do things differently on offense. What we did last year just didn't work. And we're gonna we're gonna blow this thing up and and try to do it a little bit differently. That makes a lot of sense, Dave. It does. Uh, and I, I'm wondering the future of Rich Gangarello in the NFL. He'll get another job somewhere, in some role. Uh, will he get another OC job? I think he will. I think eventually he'll work his way into that role again. 
uh, in the next couple of years. I felt like he was a really bright guy. Uh, I don't know what he was like to work with. I never got a chance to talk to him ever. Yeah. Did you yeah. ever interview him? Uh, I, I mean, I met him. I didn't, yeah. I didn't interview him for the so radio. I don't know what his personality was like or whatever, but uh, it, it it felt like he he was really a smart guy. Um, he just had, you know, it, it just takes time. You need experience in these positions, and he didn't have any. And maybe that was the biggest mistake right there. You know, you brought him in here with a defensive coach in his rookie year who also went through growing pains, and then you bring in this rookie offensive coordinator, 47-year-old guy who'd never never been a coordinator in the mm-hmm. NFL. Well, the narrative from the Broncos was that, I mean, if you stop and think about this, that for the entire season, even after the thumb healed, he's, he's not ready. I mean, he's not ready. It's, I mean, whose responsibility is that? It's, it's a combination of the, the player and his position coach and the offensive coordinator to get that guy ready. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked to find out later that after the team, the front office, the head coach actually saw – this young quarterback play for five weeks. That there were there were several moments behind closed doors that the head scratching started, and they were saying, "Why did we wait? Why did we wait until the last five games of the year? I mean, why why was that? Because you continually and John Elway told us on this show, Rick and Kathy. Hey, I'm I'm going to defer to the coaches." I'm going to defer to the assistant coaches with respect to when Drew Locke is ready to go. Those guys spend all day with those players. I don't. Then you see how he plays in five weeks, and you'd have to be brain dead not to say, well, I wonder how we'd have been if we'd have gone yeah. gone to this a little bit earlier. Yeah. A lot of social media speculation on that as well. Is there? Uh, yeah. And, and it, huh. In fact, I think some players off the record said, hey, if we would have started Locke earlier, we'd be a playoff team. Well, that – that listen, if, if if that's the guy – I haven't seen any of the social media stuff, but if that's the case, I mean, I'm not surprised. I would be surprised if the front office and ultimately the head coach didn't look at that retrospectively and say the same thing, right? I mean, he finished seven or nine. He wins four out of five games that he plays. I'm not saying he didn't have room for improvement. He does. But they were different with him in the game. The 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 narrative from the team was he's not ready. Well, what's that mean? Well, he's just not ready. He hadn't taken snaps under center. He had, he's not ready. John Elway told us. In fact, maybe we can find it. He told us on this show when I asked him. He said, I'm, I'm going to defer to the assistant coaches on that. They're going to tell me when Drew Locke is ready. So, mm-hmm. all sorts of... Different things. We've got uh, NFL action to talk about, some great action this week. And what in the world, Bill O'Brien, what did Bill O'Brien do last night except drink heavily? My good Lord. I mean, yeah, that was. There's not uh, enough scotch in the bar. What a what a horrible meltdown. Oh, horrible. Uh, of epic proportion. Yes. We may never see a meltdown like that again in our lifetime in an NFL playoff. I believe that's the first time an NFL team went down 24-0 and was leading at halftime. 
in history. It's also the first time that a team in NFL playoff history was down by 20 and came back and won by 20. I mean, stop and wow. think about that. They outscored the Texans 51-7. to Yeah, you're up 24 nothing in the second quarter in the playoffs. You have to win that game. We got. Uh, I wonder if that cost him his job. Well, we'll find it out. It might. We'll find out. We got a lot of things to talk about. Clemson and LSU coming up tonight as well. 926, this is KOA. We're back at 937 on this Monday morning. Plenty of things to uh, to digest. Broncos have a new offensive coordinator. It is Pat Shermer. Rich Gangarello is fired. One thing before we bring on Mike Kliss. The, the Cleveland Browns, and, and about three people here in town care about this, and I understand that, but the Cleveland Browns hired Kevin Stefanski as their head coach. I, I'm going to take a 10, 10 seconds here just to lament for a minute. Nothing personal against Kevin Stefanski. I hope he turns out to be a great coach. 37 years of age. Good luck. I hope he can get things turned around. But really? I mean, seriously? Is that worse than the Joe Judge one? Well, I mean, he was an offensive coordinator this year. But you look at the Vikings offense. Did anybody really like the Vikings offense? I mean, God bless Gary. I love Gary. And... But really, that's that's your guy. I mean, that's that's the new head coach in Cleveland. That's what Browns fans have to be excited. You, I mean, there were other candidates. You had Josh McDaniels. I would have taken him. You had Eric Bieniemy. I would have taken him. You had Robert Sala from the Niners' defensive coordinator. Hell, I would have taken him. Just saying. Get it off your chest. I, I just on, did. Man. I just did. Yeah. I I just did. All right. There you go, Yanny. Uh, Mike Kliss, <laughs> sponsored by Coloradans for Responsible Energy Development. You can get the facts on how oil and gas is benefiting Colorado and all Coloradans at cred.org. That's C-R-E-D.org. Not many times that, you know, something happens with the Broncos that is mm, more than just a little surprising. I'm going to get Mike. Mike's taking some truth serum. He drank it at 9 a.m. Hopefully it works within 40 minutes because it's 940. So we welcome Mike to the show. So after drinking the truth serum, uh, did that surprise you yesterday in terms of the news that the Broncos were moving on from Rich Gangarello, especially after Vic Fangio said there would be no changes in any of the coordinator spots? Yeah, yes and no, because before before the last game against the Raiders, um, I was told they were going to look around to see if uh, – there was an offensive coordinator they liked. But then when two weeks went by, I thought that maybe they didn't like anybody out there and they were going to stick with Rich Gangarello. So, uh, you know, yes and no. I knew at various points uh, they were disappointed with uh, Rich last year. I think that the low point for him was after the uh, first Chiefs game when the offense was just abysmal. If, if you remember, they scored, I think, on their opening drive and then uh, were terrible after that. They, they just looked overmatched. It, it's unusual in an yeah. NFL game that one team yeah. looks overmatched. Sometimes they don't play well. Their guys play better than yeah. your guys. But unusual to see that look, and that's how they looked. Yeah, and I mean, they. I, I think with two minutes left to go in the first half, they were walking up to the line. May, you know, maybe even in the fourth quarter, they were walking up to the line when they should have been in a hurry up. They were, they were uh, behind two or three touchdowns. They weren't out of it, but uh, uh, you know. Uh, but I thought he rallied 
guys. I thought he rallied when Brandon Allen came in and sat for four years and got his first start. I thought, uh, you know, he came up with a nice game plan and, and got the got the new quarterback ready and played well against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that, that first half against Minnesota with the deep shots, uh, from what I understand, Fangio uh, put the deep shots into the game plan against the Vikings. Um, and then with Drew Locke, you know, um, even though they had less yards with Drew Locke, I thought the fact that uh, he was hurt all year, and, you know, I know they were uh, concerned about putting him in there because of his knowledge of the of the playbook and the systems, and they devised that uh, play sheet band that pretty much covered up his left arm. Um, and, and they got locked to, to play pretty well. I thought Scangarello had, um, you know, started to improve. He, he started to uh, get the feel of play calling. And so, you know, I, I was a little surprised that they didn't give him a second year for continuity for Drew Locke uh, when it seemed like, you know, they were getting better uh, at the end of the year. We're talking to Mike Cliss, one of our Broncos insiders. Do you know what the relationship was like with Drew Locke and Scangarello? And do you feel like Scangarello got credit for Drew Locke's 4-1 and record down the stretch? Or did he get blamed for not having Drew Locke ready earlier? Uh, I, I I can say that I don't think they gave much credit for four and one. <laughs> That's pretty obvious right now. Uh, but they had a good relationship, though. Um, you know, I think um, I think Scangarillo uh, wasn't sure about Drew Locke in training camp and preseason. I, I you know I think they were concerned that Locke wasn't picking things up quicker than uh, than he was and you heard that in comments from Fangio during training camp that uh, he didn't think the college system that he was in uh, necessarily got him ready for the for the pro game so there was um, I think Scangarillo had some um, uh, concerns about Drew Locke early I think he uh, he warmed up to him when when Drew Locke became his guy I think uh, uh, you know Scangarillo was all in so um yeah, I don't think that was the problem. I, you know, I it'll be interesting to see how Shermer works with Drew Locke. But you know, they they Fangio and Elway kept saying they have to become an offense that scores thirty points a game if they want to beat the Chiefs in the AFC West, and they thought they were too far away from that, and um, they they wanted to see if a, a new offensive coordinator uh, with more experience. Could um, could take the next step towards that. They have a they have a long way to go to thirty points a game. They're at seventeen point six right now, so um, you know twenty two points a game is a big leap for this offense. And uh, we'll see what happens here. Yeah, I made the comment. Only one team in when the playoffs first started, one team in the playoffs this year that averaged less than twenty three points a game, and that was the Buffalo yeah. Bills. I, I also we we talked a little bit earlier before we had you on. John Elway said here on this show, responding to a question in terms of how would he know if, and I'm paraphrasing, how would he know if Drew Locke was going to be ready to go? He said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the offensive of coaches. I'm going to listen to the coaches that are in meetings with him every single day. They'll tell me when he's ready. Again, hindsight being 2020, but he comes out, he's 4-1. and one. He did a lot of good things. They, and you and I talked about this on the air and off the air, they seemed reluctant to embrace him, at least from my standpoint, 
for a lot of time until he started playing. I couldn't quite wrap my head around why. But I'm just wondering now if after what they saw during the five-game stretch, anybody out there named Elway and Fangio said basically, well, what the hell? I mean, why why did we not go to this guy a little bit earlier? Because we were told he was not ready to go. That's a theory of mine. I think that's... uh... I think that's a uh, pretty good uh, educated theory right there. Uh, I was, uh, I, I think the same thing. I think um, Locke could have played after week eight, after the Indianapolis game. And if you remember, they didn't even activate him. Uh, they didn't even start his practice clock. They wanted to wait till after the bye. So yep. they, the Cleveland game, they didn't activate him. Uh, the bye, they didn't. They activated with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details them for practice the week after the bye and uh yeah they could have they could have uh, got him ready to play three weeks early i even wonder if uh you know the whole ir thing you know it, it wasn't a torn thumb uh from what i understand i know the thumb bothered him but was ir even uh, a decision made because of what the coaches felt uh of Locke's readiness as he as he came out of the preseason so you know i think uh I do think that maybe that had uh, a factor, maybe not the biggest factor, but that was a factor in them making the move. Mike, good enough. We will uh, let you go. And uh, you, you think, do you, uh, before we let you go, do you think there are any other coaching changes coming on the Broncos staff? Yeah, well, one from zero to two. You know, Brandon Staley was a, was a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone on the Rams, that's a big leap for the Rams. Uh, to think Brandon Staley can be the defensive coordinator, but but they're young-minded over there, and uh, someone went to bat for him, and, and Staley left. Um, yes, I think with Shermer, uh, I think there might be, you know, not Munchak or you know, or, or the top position guys, but I think on the underlying, uh, I think on the offensive side, I think there will be changes. Shermer will be able to bring in a, a guy or two that he believes in. Good enough, Mike. Thanks. You got it. Mike Kliss, sponsored by Coloradans for Responsible Energy Development. Get the facts on how oil and gas is benefiting Colorado and all Coloradans at cred.org. That is C-R-E-D.org. Dave, back to your uh, Cleveland Browns mini rant. Um, When you think back to last week, we were talking about Josh McDaniels having an interview on Friday. And I mentioned I thought the timing was a little little strange. Stefanski was still, you know, they're still in the playoffs, so they they can't really hire him. Uh, And I just thought the timing was a little odd. And so when I heard that McDaniels had the interview and they sent him home and said, we're going to think about it for another day, you could see that McDaniels wasn't going to get the job at that point. Uh, I, I think, I'm starting to think they may have really had their eye more on Stefanski than McDaniels. I'm starting to think that Paul D. Podesta, who is the analytics chief of the Browns, has much more sway in the organization 
than at least from an outsider's perspective than I would like him to. I think it's it's there are people back there that are absolutely certain the reason Josh McDaniels didn't get hired was that he wanted to make several changes within the organization. My point is, if I'm Jimmy Haslam, don't you think you need to make sweeping changes within the organization? I mean, did you see how they played last year? They, they, they were one of the underachievers of the NFL based on their talent. So if, if, you, if that was your guy, and reportedly I heard that was his guy, and the thing that killed McDaniels being the head coach of the Browns was that they didn't want to agree to whatever the sweeping changes were. I can tell you one of the sweeping changes, Paul D. Podesta would have been out of work. So mm-hmm. if you're Jimmy Haslam, all right, keep the guy whose background is in baseball, baseball, you keep him and mm-hmm. don't hire the head coach that you really wanted, but that was the deal breaker, and then hire Kevin Stefanski. And it sounds like I hate Kevin Stefanski. Hell, I hope I hope he does a great job as a former Brown. You know, I mean, I hope he wins, but really? It, it, you're right. It, it's been reported that, McDaniels wanted sweeping changes, and when you look at his track record here, when he came in with that same demand, didn't work out at all. I could see why they would be hesitant to give him that much power. See, I don't think it's that. I, I think I think the owner, his opinion of Paul De Podesta, is higher than anybody that doesn't have the last name of De Podesta. Which, why? Well, I mean, it's there, not like there you go. Won anything with him, right? There you go. Yeah, that's, I mean, an- analytics. You you got to have football players. You got to have a scheme. You got to have somebody who can motivate. You got to have somebody that can lead. And, and listen, it sounds like I'm banging the door for Josh McDaniels. Not really. I, I I think I would have liked that hire better than Kevin Stefanski. I would have liked Eric Bieniemy. I'd, I'd I'd have taken that hire. I mean, Kevin Stefanski's been an offense. He's been at the Vikings his entire career. Been an offensive coordinator basically one year, and he had Gary Kubiak to lean on. This year in Minnesota, if that didn't look like the Broncos offense of the mid nineties in many, many ways, I don't know. So you're going to go there with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. You're going to try to run him under center and in the running game in boots. I, I don't know. I, again, nothing against Kevin Stefanski personally. It just doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense, except now I can buy into the theory. Well, it does because it's the Browns. Unfortunately, yes. It's it's the team um, that I played with for the yeah. overwhelming majority of my NFL career. Yeah, I, I sense your frustration, and I don't blame you. Uh, they just never seem to get it right. They don't. They just don't ever get it right. I. It, it doesn't matter who owns the team, either. It just it it doesn't matter. I I. We'll see. Who knows about Stefanski? He's obviously highly regarded by some people. Um. But I, I, I don't know why he would be the guy. I don't either. And, and there's been some strange hires this year in the NFL, with the Joe I, Judge and I now agree. Stefanski. And I agree. And we're starting to see that last year too. Zach Taylor, the Bengals. Uh, we're starting to see guys going outside the box now on some of these head coaching hires, and we'll see how they work out. Hmm. 
Yeah, sorry, Dave. Three oh three. Well, listen, <laughs> sorry. I mean, you know, uh, both uh, the other Browns fans, two of you here in Denver, plus me, uh, Grant Millennial Grant's a Browns fan. Well, I, think, really? okay. I think not the Browns, but I think a lot of people here with the McDaniels wanted to know if he was going to go there. So. Yeah, again, I I don't have this is not about me banging the drum for Josh McDaniels. But I think this is about here... me banging the drum like what the <laughs> hell? Yeah, I get that. Don't you think people here don't like Josh McDaniels though? Well, sure. So. I mean, obviously. So they were probably happy he didn't get the job. But if if you asked me, just based on face value, who would have a better chance to succeed in the NFL in terms of uh, as a head coach, Josh McDaniels or Kevin Stefanski, I would take Josh McDaniels. You know, I totally agree with you. But on the other hand, if I'm the owner and Josh McDaniels comes in and said, I want a clean house, I probably don't go there. Well, again, that now reason you, alone. You, you've gone from sweeping changes to clean house. I'm I'm telling you the single – biggest change and all the other changes were ancillary was that Paul D. Podesta would not have final say Josh McDaniels would in terms of personnel and who was on the team and who wasn't. Hmm. So they must, I mean, Jimmy Haslam must, you know, it must be a Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett sort of relationship. I don't know. Maybe Josh should have spent the night over at uh, Haslam's house. Maybe. You know what? Maybe he should have worn one of those big robes. That's maybe what Stefanski I'm did. You don't know. Maybe he slept, <laughs> maybe he slept with a long T-shirt. Maybe yeah, he no did. There on. you go. You know, I no think bridges. we figured it out. Yeah. Huh? Dave, he should have been called for the interview. Could, could, have been, could have been that simple. I mean, it really could have been. <laughs> 9.55 is our time. A couple hours to go here. Uh, Dave, Rick, and Kathy, this is KOA. This is Logan and Lewis. Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Kathy Lee on KOA. 8.50 a.m. and 94.1 FM. We're back at 10.06 on KOA. Good morning, Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Kathy Lee. We're not going to talk about football the entire show, but I do want to say congratulations to uh, my former teammate uh, and roommate, Bill Cower who over the weekend was selected to uh, go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yep. Congratulations. Uh, Jimmy Johnson also selected to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It it does, and I'm biased about Bill because we're great friends, but it, it does beg, I think, with those two guys going in, and I'm good with both of them, but there's some guys that aren't in that – you know, I think should be in. Uh, one of them lives here in town. I think Mike Shanahan should be in. I don't. I don't get why he's not. I think Tom. Flo- you you could make a case for Tom Flores. Tom Flores won two Super Bowl championships, right? I mean, go back and look at Jimmy Johnson's Millennial Grant. Maybe you can do this. Jimmy Johnson was a hell of a coach in college, and then obviously very good coach in the NFL. But I I think his total number of wins in the NFL is like 80-something. I, I I don't even think he has 100 wins. I, I don't think. I don't think he coached very long. Well, no. He, he got out, yeah. So the Pro Football Hall of Fame is, is not, and again, I don't have any issue. I think Jimmy Johnson was a hell of a coach. But the Pro Football Hall of Fame is not to take into consideration, not supposed to, what anybody accomplished in college. Uh, it also is not to take into consideration, I don't think, your your career as a player, if in fact you're being voted in as a coach. I mean, Bill was a 
special teams player. Wasn't he your um, former roommate? Yeah, I said that. Yeah, oh, former, yeah, former roommate. Cool. Um, so, I mean, Bill won, I don't know, Bill Bill's team was, won I don't know, 150, 160 games. I mean, won a bunch of games. His winning percentage was very good, largely due to the point that, or largely due to the fact that he stayed in Pittsburgh. He, he only coached in Pittsburgh. Jim, uh, Jimmy Johnson was 80 and 64 overall in nine years, but of course wow. had the two Super Bowl wins so with the Cowboys. Super Bowl wins. Wow. What the uh, record is nine and four? So what is uh, what is what is Bill Cowher? Bill Cowher was 149, 90 and one, and one or sorry, 161, 99 and one, including the playoffs. You know, 161, 99 and one. What is uh, just out of curiosity? What is Shanahan's record? We'll find out. I saw a lot of. Social media about Dan Reeves, why he didn't get in. Well, Dan Reeves has won more games than than the people were talking about. So Dan, Dan Reeves won, I think, right to two hundred, right? Yeah, or, so he was one hundred ninety, one hundred sixty-five and two. Dan Reeves mm-hmm. won one hundred ninety, one sixty-five and, and two, two, and lost four Super Bowls, but but got his teams there. Uh, Mike Shanahan two seventy-six and no, 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 that can't be right. No. 170 and 138. 170 to 138. And 138. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was looking at his time as assistant coaches as well. <laughs> that doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, there there's the deal. Jimmy Jimmy Johnson won two Super Bowls, NFL only. And was 80 and 64. Bill Cowher won one Super Bowl, got to two. Was 161 and 99 and won. Mike Shanahan got to two, one two, one seventy, and one thirty-eight. So there, I mean, Dan Reeves Seems took like his team to four Super Bowls, yeah. one ninety, one sixty-five. Mar- is Marv Levy in? Marv Levy's in, is he not? I don't know. I I, I think he is. I mean, it's just just you know things to ponder. And I was happy for Bill. I texted him. We texted back and forth. I mean, really cool. I mean, really good for him. Jimmy Johnson was a hell of a coach. Not, now I'm not saying those two guys don't deserve to be in, but if Jimmy Johnson's in, winning 80 games in the NFL and two Super Bowls, Mike Shanahan should be in, winning 170 games and two Super Bowls. He'll get in eventually, but you're right. He should be in now. Unless they think Mike's going to come back and coach again. Can you get in the Hall of Fame? Don't you have to be retired a certain amount of years? Five. And so they maybe think maybe he comes back and coaches yeah, it's, it's, and they'll put him in later what's well, five as a player yeah i wonder i mean cower's younger than mike how long has he been out of the game cower 10 10 plus 10 plus okay yeah so yeah i mean Cowher i always thought back too, i always right. thought bill would, would come levy out is in marv He's levy is in 43 to 112 so marv levy went to four super bowls lost all of them in Winning 143 games, losing 112. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> it, it, it just it makes no sense it, at it all. It just sort of gets back to what I used to dismiss as uh, a really small-minded provincial way of thinking. It gets back to now where I'm starting to believe, what, what is it with the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Broncos in general? Players, I mean, I hope Atwater gets in this year. I hope Randy Gratishar gets in this year, too. I mean, both are deserving. But there are other players. Carl Mecklenburg certainly, to me, merits Hall of Fame status. Does seem to be a Broncos bias. Uh, I don't know. I don't get it. We talked to Jeff Legwald back in the days he, he was actually talking to us. And he, um, I mean, he's done a really good job going in and uh, selling Broncos players. I mean, you have to get up and you have to make a case where this is why this guy should get in. And I've had people that have been in that room, I never have, tell me that Leggy does a great job in that. And, you know, I mean, it means something to him. He researches it. He puts together the presentation. I mean, it's, it's like that. But so I, I don't have a I don't have a reason why. Uh, one other thing we bumped with uh, Rush, Fly By Night. Uh, Want to mention that one of the all time great drummers, Neil Peart, passed away uh, last Tuesday, well, uh, from uh, brain cancer. Been battling brain cancer Jeez. for over three years. Nobody knew publicly. He kept that hidden. And he passed away Tuesday, and it wasn't even announced till Friday. He was a very private man. Um, there's some reports out there that he had some sort of social anxiety disorder, maybe even Asperger's, uh, because he, he never did interviews or rarely didn't have much interaction with fans. And so maybe that was the case. But that form of brain cancer that he had, Dave, um, same thing that Ted Kennedy had and uh, John McCain. I'll be darned. Yeah, it's a it's a. A bad, bad, bad one. And apparently, it, it doesn't strike till you're in your uh, early 60s. You know, that's most people that get it get it about 63, 64, which is what he was when he got it. But a great drummer, rock and roll hall of famer. He was not the original drummer for Rush. There was another guy named John Rootsy, and John Rootsy's the guy that played on Working Man, which is one of their big songs. Uh, Neil Peart came in after that on the second album. And just highly regarded as one of the all-time greats. He was also the primary lyricist for the band Rush. And full disclosure, I was never a huge Rush fan. No, me neither. Uh, just not my style of music, but I certainly appreciated him and their musical talent and ability. Really kind of an avant-garde band in their sound and a lot of time changes in their songs and so not really my style of music, but I sure appreciated him and passed away way too young. It's just, you know, that age, we talk about this a lot, 67, 68, that's like the end of the runway for a lot of these musicians that tour their whole life. Yeah. No, we've, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah. It's, I mean, you you can, you know, you can come to your own conclusions as to why. I, I don't know if, if this particular kind of cancer, I mean, if, if, any sort of lifestyle would have anything to do with that. And I don't even know if Neil Peart was, you know, I, I know very little about him except I, I can hear him in, in two or three of the songs by Rush. He was, and you, you know, you know, you know, drumming far more so than I do, but I, I would term him. He was really active 
Yeah. The, the drumming part yeah. of Rush was really active. Yeah, primary. Yeah, he, he he really was the sound of the band on the drum kit. And he was a guy that would at times have like 40 drums on stage and 25 cymbals. And he'd play them all. You know, I don't, to me, that's just so far out of my league. I can't even imagine what that would be like to be that good where you could play 40 drums on a song, or I'm sure he didn't do it every song, but Crazy. but it's just phenomenal the talent he had, and 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 kind of a tragic life too. Uh, he um, his 19 year old daughter got killed in a car accident. I think this was in '96, hmm. and then 10 months later, his wife died of cancer. Jeez. Or '97. Thank you, Grant. And then he quit. He quit the band. Said, "I'm done. Consider me retired." He bought a motorcycle. And rode for like two and a half years. He he wrote a couple books about that. It was called Ghost Rider. He said he was just he was a shell of a man. He had nothing inside. He was dead, basically, like walking dead. And so he got on a motorcycle to try to find himself again. And he rode that motorcycle just he said, I rode it till I was done. Fifty five thousand miles two and a half years later from North America down into South America, back up. And then when he came back, he he was healed, and he decided to go got back, back out. in the band. Got back and got the band going again. Who who replaced him? They didn't do anything. So they the did band nothing. did. The band did. They, no, they were done. They were done too. But then he came back, and then they had a, a another good long run together. They they sold a ton of records. I don't know how many. Might have been a hundred million, but only had one song that cracked the top forty. One song, and that was New World Man, number 21, is the highest charting song they ever had. But they've got this really just voracious cult following. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that just, they will, they they love everything they did. So one of the greats, Hmm. and made a huge, just a huge contribution to uh, rock music. How common is it for drummers to be the the main lyricist in a band? I never knew that or have heard it. Very rare. Rare earth. Yeah, Rare Earth, and because he was a singer, too. And so typically lyricists are singers because they're writing words that they are going to have to sing. But that's also not very common as a drummer, either. No, it's well, not. like what, Don Henley? Don Henley, there's one that... Phil Collins. Who was the Rare Earth guy? We had him on the show. Pete, Pete Rivera. Yeah, Pete, Pete Rivera. Rivera. Yeah, Pete, Pete Rivera. Rivera. Yeah, yep. I love that dude. It's one of my Ooh, favorites. Man. Isn't Phil Collins a singing drummer? Yes. Yep. Henley's another one. But it's pretty rare. Just would be hard to do. It is. Karen Carpenter. Karen Carpenter. <laughs> she did. She drummer? did play the drums. She did. She yes, was a she really did. good drummer. Yes, yeah. she, yes, she did. And a beautiful voice. Yeah, because drummers, you know, such a physical instrument is not easy to sing and play drums at the same time. And then writing lyrics, you know, the lead vocalist wants to write lyrics that he can relate to, and that he's going to be the one singing them. And so drummers don't get many songwriting credits for that reason, because they don't write lyrics. Mm. They're just kind of laying down the groove, keeping the time. Do you sing along? Yeah, I find myself doing that. Yeah. You don't have a microphone there, though, do you? At times I do, because sometimes I I use it mainly as a a speaking mic, Yeah. you know, uh, to talk to the crowd between songs. So I have to watch it, because if I forget there's a mic there, 
and I'm singing at the same time. Right. I could probably train wreck the people up front. <laughs> I got some really good vocalists in my band. Uh, so I don't I got I got to watch. You, it. Would you sing harmony? Uh no. I would probably just sing the root. You let me sing the harmony. Yeah, we could do that. You know what I mean? I get on the air drums behind you. Let's get to we'll get, like I said, man, we'll get you some some percussion instruments. Yeah. We'll give you a mic. Yeah. And you can do anything you want. Yeah, that's that's a scary idea. That's a scary We'd idea. We'd have fun, man. 1020 is our time. By the way, uh, listen for your chance to win $1,000 every hour on the hour. That's taking place weekdays, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Just listen for the keyword for your chance to win. It is money on the hour on KOA. I asked you this off the air, and you shook your head no. Um <laughs> Bill Do you O'Brien, think the answer is going to be any different? Well, maybe if oh, Bill O'Brien. It. Bill O'Brien, Oof. that meltdown yesterday of epic proportions uh, to Kansas City. They go up 24 nothing, and they're behind by halftime and then get blown out of the game. And he had a couple questionable decisions in that game. Do you think there's a chance he loses his job? And, and also factor in, he's apparently pretty difficult to work with and be yeah. around. I think the only way that the Texans make a change is if ownership concludes that we have Deshaun Watson, who is a fabulous player, and we're not getting the most out of him. I mean, Deshaun Watson is a great player. That's the only way below. And he's won four out of five divisional titles. I mean, they won a playoff game this year. But... I mean, the only to me the only questionable call. I know that people make you know look at the fake punt on your own thirty. Um, I, I don't I don't mind that call because he needed something to sort of stem the tide a little bit. But but the call that I thought he missed on was the fourth down and about two inches on the Chiefs whatever thirteen yard line wherever it was, and Deshaun Watson you could see he wanted to go for it. And they, they call a play, then something happens, snap clock running down. He takes a timeout. So I'm thinking, they're going to talk about this. They were able to run the ball in Kansas City, right? Kansas City's best defensive lineman didn't even play. You, you're ahead 21 nothing. He says after the game, I, I always thought we were going to need 50 to beat this team. Well, you're ahead 21 nothing. You got the ball in their 13-yard line, 10-24 to go in the first half. You score there, brother. And, and they really, Kansas City, they were on their heels just mm-hmm. with what happened. You go up 28 nothing, mm-hmm. but he, he settled for a field goal. He kicks off. Hardman runs it back 70 yards. Three plays, they score. Now it's 24-7. And on the next drive, he goes for the fake punt. Kansas City stops him. Three plays later, now it's 24-14. And the body language of the Texans at that point, I mean, it's 24-14. And I'm thinking, you know what? They're going to lose. They're ahead 24-14. But just the body language. And then the kit, the next kickoff, they fumble. The Chiefs get it. Boom. They score it. Now it's 24-21. Mm-hmm. And the body language is even worse. They just sort of spit the bit. Yeah. So to me, it was a team that didn't really deep down believe they could win. They were hoping to win. Yeah, we like how we start. But when it got tough, and the Chiefs, and now the crowd's in it, and here, here comes this juggernaut of an offense. I thought Houston defensively shrunk. 
I really did. And maybe that's on the coach. Well, I mean, that's why guys make millions and millions of yep. dollars. You yep. know, no question about that. Let's talk to Kai in Otis, Colorado. Hi, Kai. Hey, Logan, Lewis, and Lee. How are we this morning? What's up, Kai? Good. Not much. This is more directed for Rick. Uh, a couple of small things about Neil Peart. Did you know that he actually had a very difficult time getting his motorcycle license? I didn't know that, no. Yeah, he could not get uh, his coordination down between his feet and his hands to do everything needed to do on a motorcycle. Is this a joke? No. no uh, <laughs> really? It was in his book, yeah. yeah. Really? I didn't it, know that. It blew huh. my mind. And then wow. after his, uh, his life change and his 55,000-mile uh, road trip, he didn't talk to anybody during that. He only sent postcards. And after that, he would tour on his motorcycle. He had his own tour bus, and he would go from place to place on his motorcycle. I knew that. After, after shows, he would pull the motorcycle out of the, the, the semi and hop on it, and he would ride to the next town on his motorcycle. Huh. Yep. Yeah, very, yep. very interesting Wouldn't guy. Wouldn't you be too tired after a gig to ride on your motorcycle? Thank you, Kai. You've got a lot of adrenaline, too. You huh. know, it's hard to sleep after gigs. That's Seems a good like way to relax. Seems like it'd be dangerous, though, yeah. going through the night. Yeah, well, it's definitely a danger. For out sure, there. for sure. Kai, thank you. 1025, Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Kathy Lee. Good morning. This is KOA. Now, Logan and Lewis. Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Kathy Lee on KOA, the voice of Colorado. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back 1037 on KOA. Dave, Rick, and Kathy. (laughs) 303-713-8585. You shocked me of the day. Uh, Okay. All right. Who's more shocked? You with that information or or Bill O'Brien watching his team melt down in the second half? I'm more shocked. (laughs) You think? Yes. Okay. I did not expect that. Okay. Clemson and LSU tonight in what is shaping up to be a great, great football game. Yeah, my daughter and uh, her husband have been down there all weekend hanging out in New Orleans, and it sounds crazy down there. She's been sending me videos and pictures. And I know you've been there before. Yeah. Um, you've never been down there? I've been down there, yeah. Like but party it's such, down there? Yeah, Mardi Gras. It's such a uh, a, a wild town, and it's um, it, it, she'd never been there. She's been blown away. By she may it. never want to go back. Either. I don't know. I, th- I, you know, I've been to uh, bachelorette parties down there, multiple. Yeah, and weddings down it's there. It's crazy down there. It's crazy. I we had a police escort from the St. Louis Cathedral down there to where the wedding was going, and we're talking 500 people being police escorted out of downtown New Orleans 
to Why? What, what, how come you? They tried to, and they almost had Van Morrison play that wedding. Oh, wow. Big who, people down there. Can you say who it was? Not on air. I'll tell you off air. Okay. We, we, uh, I think we're going to get Jordan on next hour to give us a little bit of the flavor of New Orleans. And she's picked up a, a really dumb, like, southern accent. Not and a New Orleans accent? I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I played you that video. It's yeah. just like, we're, sound like an old southern woman now. Yeah, which is funny. Nothing they, wrong with that, though. There's there's something very charming about a southern <laughs> well, accent. If you listen to the video, though, because I wasn't looking at her, I go, who is that? It sounded like an old lady. It sounded like really like a yeah. larger, older woman. A larger? Yes. By the way, that came Southern from woman. that came from you. How did larger? How did, how does because that sound? You have to listen to her voice on it. Can, we, can we play it on the air? Uh, I've got it on my phone. I, well, if if we get her on, I'll you'll have her do it. Yeah, I'll have her do the southern accent thing. Because wouldn't I'll you put get her on the spot? Cajun accent from being in New Orleans more than a southern accent. It's a Cajun. Yeah, Cajun thing, is yeah. its own accent, though. Cajun is not really southern. southern no. Mm-mm. Cajun is Larry Zimmer uh, has a little bit of that Nolans, Nolans, yeah, Cajun, Nolans. Yeah, we just listened to Coach O for LSU speak, and you get a pretty good idea of what it sounds like. Yes, he has a Cajun. Uh, You sound like this, and I'll play this for you. This sounds like the guy in Sling Blade. This is off my phone. I'll put it up to the microphone. And keep in mind, my daughter's twenty-six. Yeah, she does. She sounds like like an old Southern lady. Let me see here. Down, but it picked a train right up off the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, where did that come from? Yeah, well, she's that, that's not her talking naturally. She, no, she's, she's, Rick, doing she's, it, she's yeah. in full character. I guess. But for some reason, she sounds like an older. This. She sounds old. Woman. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't yeah. sound like a twenty-five-year-old. Mm-hmm. She's very talented. <laughs> she could, who knew she could do yeah. impressions? That's hilarious. Yeah, right. But she's picked it up pretty quick down there. They're having a blast down there, uh, but it's one party after another, and the town never shuts down. Well, I mean, it is the national championship, and oh, by the way, LSU is in it. I mean, those people down there have to be completely out of their minds. Yeah, it's a home game for LSU, and the French yeah. Quarter never shuts down. That's right. Like, Remember the last time? Uh, I think it was the last time the no, maybe not. A while back when the Broncos went to New Orleans, um, we went out. Yeah, Scott Scott was doing the game. We went out early, like late afternoon, to get a bite to eat. And people were chucking beads at you? I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) He wasn't in his sleeping attire. All I know is I I got to the Superdome. I think it was still the Superdome at that point. And Scott showed up. And he still, I could still smell the night before, and he showed up and he had collected all the little umbrellas and all the little umbrella drinks that you had. We got, we got separated like at about 7 o'clock that night, and it was one of the craziest nights. And my night was much shorter than his. It was one of the craziest nights that I've... You definitely see everything. Yeah. Oh, my. Everything. Oh, my gosh. There. It's... We went to the strip club down there for my friend's bachelorette party. Yep. And it was the funniest thing I've ever seen, first of all. A male strip club, which they don't do this anywhere else but in New Orleans. Oh, male strip club. Male strip club. Now, I've heard of male strippers. I've never heard of an all-male strip club. It's an all-male strip club down there. And they were doing. They don't things. have one of those here, do they? No, no. Mm-mm. They don't have them in most cities. Dragon gave me the look like, but what are you looking at me for? they're doing things that you would never imagine <laughs> that, like, I'll show you off the air what they're doing, and you will die. Huh. I'll, I'll give you um, 
since you told the Scott story, I got a floor wax story for you. The day DIA opened, February 1995, Fox radio station did a Fox charter to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. So all Fox listeners. And so we, floor wax and I are on the, on the trip. We get to the uh, airport, we get on the plane, and then we sat there in a blizzard for three and a half hours on the plane. And people were already drinking like fish on the plane while we're sitting on the tarmac. And um, and Floor Wax uh, still is a recovered alcoholic, and he was very uncomfortable being kind of captured in this tube of all these drunk listeners. Yeah, I don't blame him. And and it got where, you know, they had us going up on the PA and doing stand-up comedy on the plane. They were just trying to keep people from having a, you know, Revolting. a, a revolution yeah. and getting off the thing. So anyway, we fly. We finally take off. We fly to New Orleans, and uh, Wax is really stressed out and uncomfortable. We land at the airport. As we're walking off the plane, there's a payphone. Yes, this is back in the payphone day. <laughs> and he gets right on a payphone and calls a travel agent up. And, and he's like, hey, you know, I want the first flight out of here. No, you got. You don't understand. You got to get me out of here like now. I want to go. I, I don't care what I got to pay. Wow. And, and listeners are walking by us. These are like big fans of ours. They're walking right behind us and they're going, oh, my God. What, what, what happened? What did we what happened to wax? Right. And he, so he booked uh, a flight. We, we basically landed in, in New Orleans, had lunch, and flew back home. Wow. Yeah. And so we didn't come back on the charter. Oh, my gosh. We didn't come back. We, were it was the a, boss mad? Yeah. I'll bet. Yeah, they were. Were your fans mad? Um, I would think, well, I heard on the flight home, everybody was like, where'd they go? Like, what happened? But the people that were walking by could hear him on the phone talking to his travel agent. Like, I, no, no, you don't, you don't understand. I have to get out well, of here. Well, which would be hard when you're sober to be around a bunch yeah, of Yeah, and we were in a, on this flight for yeah. hours and hours, and everybody was drunk. The, uh, the bathrooms and the planes were full before we even took off. Wow. From people peeing. You know, every, there, so much beer was consumed on the plane that the bathrooms were full. So that whole flight was just... Really uncomfortable. I'm surprised they got everybody back on the flight to go home. Yeah, people were hammered before we took off and then wasted by the time we got down there. Wow. And so uh, Wax couldn't take it because he, you know, he's trying not to drink. It almost made him start drinking again. That might make me start drinking again yeah. after that. That's awful. And that was DIA's opening day. That was the first day they opened. What year did they open? 95. I think it was February 95. And it was, a, remember, we had that big blizzard that day. Was like three feet of snow. Surprised you guys got out. I'm shocked we got out. Hmm. But we sat there for hours and hours while people drank up all the liquor. They're always going to have that memory, right? Yeah. yeah. February 28th, 1995. 95. Okay. So it opened the same year that Coors Field did. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Three zero three seven one three eight five eight five. That's my New Orleans memory. But we should get your daughter on right now and ask her. Um, only if she's willing to do that voice. Yes. Uh yeah, I don't. You have her number? No, let me let me text it to you. Give her a call, because they're walking around on the streets right now. Just hanging out. What time's the game? Four? No, no, no. Six. No, six here. Six here. So okay. so eight there. So they'll all be faded. Faded by the time the game. They'll probably they'll probably be in the second phase of <laughs> fadedville. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I just texted you the number, Greg. Where you recover a little bit. Have something to eat. I wouldn't even take an start hour drinking till 
for? Those people. I mean, they 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 will be out of their minds tonight. I, I'm. I think it's going to be a great game. Be a fun I, I think game. LSU will win, but we'll see. I do too. Clemson could pull it back. I pick out. LSU in the game too. Hey, Clemson. Uh, they. I mean, they've won 30 games in a row. The quarterback has never played in a losing game. This is his second season in college it's football. It's crazy. So there's a lot of guys on the team that have never lost a game. Yeah, they got dudes too. Clem. Yeah. I mean, LSU's loaded. Clemson's got dudes as well. I think it. I mean, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. But I think LSU is going to win this game. I really do. They're they're a, whatever five five and a half point favorite, something like that. The strength of schedule certainly favors LSU. Yep. But both teams are loaded with talent, no doubt about it. Who's got a better defense, Clemson? I think I think the two defenses are fairly similar. Uh, LSU got a little bit better as the season went on. I didn't think LSU was great on defense. Uh, Clemson is not as good up front as they've been, but they're still pretty doggone good. Only, listen, Rick, only if she does the old woman. Southern voice. Northern voice. It's a New Orleans voice. She's, okay. She's got that Let's down. bring her on. She's this is my daughter, down. Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Hi. Hey, you're uh, you're live on the air <laughs> with Dave Logan, Kathy Lee here on our KOA show. Um, yes, and I heard you talking about my impression. I do need to make a clarification. Yes. That it's not a woman, it's a man. Oh, kids, I was like, why does she oh. sound like a no woman? No wonder we're confused. Yeah. No wonder. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. your voice is so deep in it. It is. Well, I feel like everyone's voice out here is so deep. I feel like mine's getting deeper just being out here. Yeah, well, it was a pretty good impression. I played it for uh, for them a couple minutes ago. We played it on the air, by the on way. On the air, yeah. The one about the tornado. Yeah. 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 So what, can you go into character and give us a little oh, sample? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. I, I can tell you about the shrimp boils, and you have to invite your mama, and your mama's mama, and the, the train never touched down. <laughs> tornado never touched down, but it took the train right off the track. <laughs> tornado. Okay. Apparently, okay. <laughs> uh, every Uber driver out here tells you all that about, stuff. Apparently, there was a tornado that that came through yesterday, two days ago. Oh wow! Um, and so everybody's been talking about it. Every Uber driver. Have you had the beignets? No, it's, it's in, we just left Cafe Dumont. Um, had a beignet at I mean, Cafe Jess. Olay. Mm. I, I would like a beignet. Thing. Can you FedEx me some? Because the Cafe Dumont has the best beignets ever. Really? Yes. Oh, they were so good. And there's a line out the door, of course. And Jose didn't want to stop. And I said, give it 10 minutes. Let's see how far we go in this line in 10 minutes. And, uh, yeah, he was happy that we stopped. They are the best all around, I'll tell you that. So is everybody already partying uh, on the streets, getting ready for tonight's game, I would imagine? Yeah, it's been since Saturday. There's so much eating and drinking happening and a lot of go Tigers. That's that's the safe bet is go Tigers. That's where we go because either way, we're going to win. So we were talking about that. This is an LSU home game basically, Mm -hmm. but both teams are named Tigers. So I'm assuming they're talking about the LSU Tigers. Well, really either one because both are saying Tigers and we just jump in and we're like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting. Just I'm, I'm really trying to immerse myself in the culture, and it's just so different um, from anything out west. And so we were talking with one of the bartenders yesterday, and he was saying that 
you know, there weren't many LSU fans here yet because because it is a home team. You know, everybody's just going to drive down for the day and kind of we thought that was interesting uh, from a tourism standpoint. Is that good or bad? I don't know. And he said that they also all will bring down an RV. So they'll just come rather than staying in a hotel. He said it's a big <laughs> thing that you pay like $500 for the week and then you can park your RV. You bring all your own food and you just like camp out and um, alcohol is free and clear wherever down the streets you can walk with it which i also didn't know i knew nothing about new orleans before coming here but um <laughs> yeah it's been a good time we just we're walking down the street and i feel really cool and with a drink in your hand yes very well, cool what's the uh, the drink of of the of the game what's everybody drink down there hurricanes hurricanes yes. hurricanes yeah. yeah okay was yeah. it Pat, patrick's what's the big uh, oh, uh oh say pat, pat uh pat Pat, Petty, Patty, Pat O'Brien. Pat O'Brien's. Pat O'Brien's. That's right. Pat O'Brien's. That's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. And how yeah, about food? And so we, we haven't gone. A couple of our friends went to a Pat O'Brien's one night um, and had a couple hurricanes, but I tried one. I have not drank an entire thing because it just sounds disgusting. And again, the bartender was telling us that it's equal parts grenadine and 151. So oh. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> And are they doing the beads like they do at Mardi Gras, where they throw beads um, at people? I think more of like a tchotchke sort of thing, of like a welcome to New Orleans, kind of trying to give everybody the flavor of, of the city. It's not like people are tossing them off balconies or anything, but definitely all of the little restaurants that you go into, there's beads all over the tables, and people are wearing them. Because um, it is, Mardi Gras is also started, I believe, last week started oh so, wow um, it goes oh. to february yeah, there's influence huh Sorry. wow yeah hey what about yeah, gu- what about gumbo if you, if you had any gumbo uh we are actually heading to grab some jambalaya right now at mama's there we go nice there we go yeah. so it's been yeah. a good the weekend wait is an hour so it's oh, an hour. Wow. there's a wait for everything there so it sounds like it was oh, a good yeah. weekend go ahead no, yeah, it's just crazy how many people all day, all night, like people are constantly you know, partying and the streets are just packed. And I would not want to try to drive down here. That It's just people walking up and down the streets everywhere. It's a, it's a mix of like Vegas meets New York meets Miami. <laughs> so is this old lady Southern accent going to come back to it's Phoenix? A, it's a dude. Oh, it's a dude. Or it's whatever dude. it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling Jose, like, oh, I wish I was a Southern belle. I really wish we could move out here. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, not. <laughs> yeah, he's like, maybe not. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have fun at the game. Be careful out there. And uh, we'll okay. see you in a couple weeks. All right. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Okay. Thanks. Go Tigers. All right. Love Bye. you. All right. Go, go Tigers. Uh, both Bye, tigers. Jordan. Go Which Tigers. tigers does tigers. She, right? <laughs> she had that accent down, though. Yeah, she did. Tornado. She really did. It's funny. The the cab drivers down there are really funny. I wonder oh, if yeah. Uber it's a down fun there. place to visit. I and I'm like Jordan and Jose, presumably. I would not want to live in New Orleans. Mm. I have a couple friends who live there and love live, it. Well, you could live in New Orleans. You don't just don't want to live by the French Quarter. No, I wouldn't even want to live in New Orleans. Neither would I. No, I mean the, no. the plantations and the houses though and the history. Oh, uh, well, I'd like No, I'm I'm all about visiting and taking my time and touring the city and you know, but I, I, I don't think I want to live it's there. It's a good place to visit. Yeah. I think it's kind of like Vegas. It's a fun place to visit. 
Well, I'd rather live in Vegas. Me so too. what? So what I did, but I'd rather live in now. Nashville is kind of like the bachelor bachelorette place to go. That's changed from Vegas to yeah, the 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 cool uh, sort of level of Nashville has gone up 100%. a lot lately. Yep. Is it music? Yeah. Music because there's music yeah. in every bar. But New Orleans, there's music everywhere down there on the French Quarter. Yeah. Like every other bar you go into, there's some type of music. The culture's amazing down there. Well, the food. And, and that's the birthplace of jazz. Great, great food now. Food. And great, food, everything. Great food, yeah. too. No doubt like about I, that. I'm, it's just, my mouth is watering thinking about those beignets. Ten, what is it? Is that the, the roll thing? It's like a pastry. like a pastry. Like a pastry. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's not very sweet. No? It's kind of sweet, but not like too sweet. I'm not sure Jordan's going to FedEx you. I would love a some beignets. Beignet. Oh. Beignet. Beignets are my favorite. 1055, this is KOA. This is Logan and Lewis. Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Kathy Lee on KOA. 8.50 a.m. and 94.1 FM. We're back for the final hour of the show on this Monday. Side Rick Lewis and Kathy Lee, I'm Dave Logan. A little rush for you. Tom Sawyer. Yes. Yep. The modern day warrior. Neil Peart. Neil Peart. How old was he? 60 something. 67. And had uh, brain cancer that he battled for, they say, over three years. So. Wow. A kind of a rough ending for him. Sad. No doubt sure about that. that was tough. Cecilia and Parker will open this hour with you on KOA. Morning, Cecilia. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're good. Good. I was just going to let you know how much fun New Orleans is right now. Your daughter is hitting it right on the nail on the thumb. It's They are partying hardy. I lived there for five years at, and during Katrina. So it was uh, probably... It was a tough time, but the best people and the biggest hearts in the whole entire world. Huh? What? What? Uh, how did? How did you wind up there? Did you grow up there? I uh, no. My husband was a uh, worked for a hotel chain, so he was had the the one of the hotels on Canal Street. So one of the big hotels. Did so, um? Did you did you pick up the fake Southern accent like my daughter did? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And my daughter. We were twelve when she was there. She graduated from LSU. So she's going crazy right now, um, but yeah, she still she still got it. I bet if you were there for any length of time, you would kind of just kind of sort morph, of morph into, into it, it, don't you? I think you would oh. absolutely. Oh yeah, you really do, and and the people are just the most real, down to earth, wonderful people. But they they go right from Christmas to Mardi Gras. They don't take <laughs> down their trees. They just change the colors. That's hilarious. And then they go from Mardi Gras to Jazz Fest, and then they go to the next one. <laughs> the next one yeah. is constant. Yeah, the music looked great down what, there. What did you enjoy the most about living in New Orleans? Uh, the people. The people. They were, like I said, just uh, some of my best friends to this day and best friends I've had my whole life are down in that area. Hmm. Biloxi, um, New Orleans. We lived in Mandeville, which is across the lake. Um, so during Katrina, we weren't hit too bad, but... You know, that was something I never thought I'd live through. We lived through storms here, you know, our snowstorms, and you just hunker down. But something of that magnitude is, it's awesome. It's crazy. Hmm. It was terrible. It was just terrible. Wow. Yeah. I, boy, obviously. Cecilia, thank you. And and Peyton Manning, he grew up there, right? Because his dad Played was his high school ball there, yep. Doesn't he have a home there still? 
Do you know anybody? I I, I don't. He had a home in t- I don't Nashville. know. I don't know. I I think he does in Nashville. Yeah. I don't know about New Orleans. I think that was a rumor of why they said he'd go to Tennessee because of having a home down there. Yeah, and he went to college there. Yeah. Well, but doesn't his wife own the team in? Owns Char- part of the team in, in. I think it's Memphis. Memphis. I believe it's part of the Grizzlies. Hmm. How far is Memphis from Nashville? Nashville. I don't know. I've never spent much time in Tennessee. I mean, when the Broncos play the Titans, obviously, we're down there. But but I've heard a lot of really great things about Nashville. But, I mean, I I just have never spent any time there. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Three hours. I've driven through both Nashville and Memphis several times, but I've never really spent much time there. I do hear great things about Nashville. No, Nashville's great. I love it. If there's another city I could live in, it would be Nashville or Austin. Yeah, it's like that's well, Austin's real. beautiful. Never, I've never been to Austin either. I hear Austin's great and a great uh, music town. It's like a mini Nashville. Well, you've got places that we uh, need to we, visit. We can go to. Yeah. yeah, we can take this show on the road. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in. Too bad I love you guys to don't travel. Play, play the Titans there. You could have gone to Nashville this uh-huh. year. Uh huh. Speaking of the Titans, how about that Titans in Kansas City? In the AFC playoffs, I, I was sitting there watching the games yesterday, when, excuse me, when Houston was ahead twenty-four to nothing, and I'm thinking, how crazy is this going to be? Houston is going to be hosting the AFC Championship game, playing Tennessee, and you guys beat both teams, and the Broncos beat <laughs> both of them. I thought the same thing. Absolutely, Broncos shut out Tennessee. But this is what and, I said. And Broncos blew out Houston. Well, Houston. But what if Tannehill was playing, started the game against the Broncos? Would the Broncos it would have been a much tougher game for Denver. I mean, Marcus Mariota, for whatever, you know, whatever's gone wrong with his career, he just he had no confidence at all. I mean, it was just it was awful. Tannehill's given him. I mean, the the Titans have won two NFL playoff games, both on the road, and their starting quarterback, in this case, Ryan Tannehill. Didn't throw for a hundred yards in either game. Was it like eighty-eight in the last game? Wasn't it? I mean, I, I, how many times has that been done in the NFL? Yeah, talk about a game manager. Um, Turn around the, and handed that locomotive oh, behind you. Goodness, is he wow. a load? He is unbelievable, especially down the stretch here. I told I, I've told the story before. We went down, took three of my coaches down. One year, we visited Alabama. Went down for summer spring practice. Got to sit in on the coaches' meetings and. Just sort of soak in how that program operated. So we're out in the field watching the individual drills. They're in full pads. And here's all the running backs. And then you look, you know, they're all about the same height. And then there's this one, like, oak tree looking dude. So I said to one of the coaches, I said, who is that? He said, what number? I said, 42. He said, oh, he's a freshman. His high school class hasn't even graduated. He just came early for spring practice. I said, and he, and he was a running back in high school? He goes, yep. Hmm. I'm thinking, how did any, well, now I've seen film on him. And the answer is they didn't. But my question was, how could any <laughs> high school kids ever get that dude on the ground? Yeah. He was so big. I mean, he was he was a man amongst boys, and he was still in high school, and this was the University of Alabama. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah, and he's got an upright running style. Um, I've seen some comparisons to Eric Dickerson. And those guys typically don't last very long. 
Mm. Um, he's a free agent. They take after this big year. hits, yeah, but he dishes out a lot of punishment. He and listen, he's not as fast as Dickerson was, and his style I think is is different. But the reality of it is, I mean, he you know I I saw him against the Ravens. He ran through defensive lineman tackles, and once he gets sort of through the initial onslaught of your defensive scheme, and then he gets into the secondary, nobody back there wants to tackle him, nor really can tackle him. I mean, it's just you got to start screaming and just hold on and hope. Does he seem big for a running back, like tall? Oh, yeah, he's gigantic. Oh, yeah, he's just... He's two. You, he's almost two hundred and fifty pounds. And like six three or six four, right? He's. I, I, think, I think he's closer five. to six. I, I think he's closer to six four than six three. When they were yeah, doing yeah. the game after the game, I was like, he's huge. Like yeah. all the players walking by mm. him, I'm like, why mm. is he so tall? And then in third and one against the Ravens, he steps out of a tackle. Then he basically outruns the entire secondary of the Ravens. Goes for like sixty. I mean, it's it's. And I, then I, threw the touchdown on the next pass yeah, or on right? the next play. I mean, it's. Um, they go to Kansas City. Kansas City is an early seven and a half point favorite, and a bad team against the run. They're better Think about that. They're better than they have been, but I, th- I think Andy Reid has to know that we've got to make these guys play from behind. We've got to be aggressive on offense and score every time and get them out of their comfort zone. Of hey, if we're ahead or even if we're behind a score, you're going to get a lot of that guy. Well, if you're in the you know, early fourth quarter and you're down 21, well, then you make them do what they don't want to do and I don't think they can do, and that's drop back and throw the ball. Uh, back to uh, Baltimore, Dave, uh, Lamar Jackson. I, I can't remember who it was, but one of the players on defense for Tennessee tweeted out that they thought they found the way to beat Lamar Jackson, and that's nine-man boxes. And they said, you just stop him from running, and he's not going to beat you with the pass. And maybe we'll see how this goes next year for Lamar Jackson. If if that's the case, you know, maybe other teams will be able to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get a lot of help in that game. I mean, the first interception goes right off the hands of the tight end. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Opening drive. And, you know, then Tennessee goes down and scores. And then they they stop. They, you know, Baltimore went for it twice on fourth and one. Two quarterback runs. One was a quarterback counter that I think if he stays true to the counter and doesn't try to cut it back. Uh, he He, and then the quarterback sneak. I mean, they're down 14-6 to six in the third quarter. They drive the length of the field, fourth and one at the 13, and he tries to run a quarterback sneak, and he goes, takes the ball from under center, goes to right tackle, then stops and tries to come back all the way outside. I just thought they got out of their rhythm and tried to do too much, and they, they panicked a little bit because they got behind so quickly against Tennessee. But I, 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 I think he's a hell of a player. I, I you know Maybe they have to get a little bit better throwing the ball. Uh, doesn't have great receivers outside for sure, and Mark Ingram wasn't 
able to really play, not really, which I th- think hurt them a lot. But, I mean, Tennessee Tennessee knocked Baltimore off the ball with their offensive line. And Baltimore yeah. is huge up front. And if you're Kansas City, I mean, to me, you, you can't expect, you don't want to get in a game where they've got the lead or, or they're a, they're four, three or four behind, and they've got the ball in the fourth quarter. Because then you've got to find a way to stop them, and that's going to be a hell of a lot easier said than done. And they've got just enough weapons outside, Rick, that if you load up the box, which is how they scored their second touchdown, uh, the Ravens brought the safety down, eight-man box, heavy run set, they play fake, and then they got that little fast receiver, they throw him on a Dino route, and he's wide open. So I Tennessee's a Tennessee's a problem for anybody, including Kansas City. You know what they remind me of the John Riggins Redskins? Just smash you in the mouth, run the ball, football, tough defense. It's 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 like a throwback to me. I think they're like a throwback team to the old era of the National Football League. That's uh, when you played. You know, that type of team and the NFL I don't know, maybe they're just not used to playing that type of style anymore. But the the, the t- Titans have figured it out. Well, and the quarterback also, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, you keep that in mind, he played quarterback at Texas A&M. He also was a good enough athlete that he played wide receiver mm-hmm. at A&M. So, I mean, he's not going to run a lot, but he's athletic he enough is. that he can make things happen with his feet. So you've got all that zone read stuff in play when you play them. Again, I think the game I'm I think the game for Kansas City comes down to being aggressive on offense and going at them and not playing conservatively uh and scoring points every single time you get the ball to put pressure on Tennessee's offense. You you got to help your defense out. I don't care they're improved, but they're if they're going to get smashed in the running game if that game is close and Tennessee can stay in it. You'll know this, I'm sure. Who is the quarterback on the Riggins-Redskins Super Bowl team? Uh, the quarterback in that Super Bowl. Was they, a game they manager, played, They played Miami. Um, David Woodley, I think, was the quarterback for Miami. And I, th- I think Theismann. I think Theismann was the quarterback on the... Okay. That would have been 83 Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the year. I, I think that was in Pasadena, and I think I think it was twenty-seven seventeen Redskins. Th- well, then it would have been Theismann if it was that far back. I think it was Theismann, and okay. I think David Woodley was the Miami quarterback, and, and that was the yeah because that was the year before Marino got drafted, and then the later Redskins later in the decade quarterback was well you had you had Mark Williams? you had Mark Rippon. Mark Rippon. All right, that's the guy I was trying to think of. Yeah, Doug Williams. Right. I mean, Joe, Joe, um, the Redskins, uh, Joe Gibbs won, what did he win, three? With three different quarterbacks. That's pretty impressive. So Rippon, Williams. And Theismann. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Surprised he didn't come back. Joe Gibbs? Yeah. Well, he did. Well, he did, but I mean, come back. I mean, it stick around. Yeah, he must obviously love what he's doing in NASCAR. But he was a heck of a coach. What a run he had! Right. They, uh, as you said, they 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 mauled people. And Mark Slareth was Mark Slareth, yeah, part of that offensive line. I mean, the they, Hogs, they, they used call to them. just crush people. 
Yeah. Well, speaking of impressive, what about the 49ers just dominating the Vikings the entire entire game? Were you shocked at all by that? I, I yeah, I was. I thought that I thought that might be a tougher game for San Francisco. I was pulling for San Francisco. Uh, they are so good up front. That front four, eesh. I mean, I hope that we see San Francisco and Kansas City in the Super Bowl because I think it'll be fascinating to see what Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy come up with to try to protect Patrick Mahomes against that crew. Three number ones up front, and they're playing they're playing lights out defensively. I don't know if they're great in the back end, but they don't have to be because the quarterback can't most quarterbacks can't hold the ball long enough to to get it off. But they uh I mean Minnesota offensively couldn't do anything. And I thought Kyle, you know, when it when it comes I mean he runs it differently than his dad and Gary but he believes in the running game. They run a bit more outside stretch than I remember the Broncos running here. But the bottom line is he believes in the running game. I mean, they Garoppolo threw it like, what was his stats? Like 19 times, I think, Millennial Grant, and they ran it 47 times. Mm. So I'm impressed with how quickly they turned that franchise around with Shanahan and Lynch. It's the third year. Third year. I mean, they've, they, they've had a bunch of draft choices. And and they've hit on the majority of them. They haven't hit on all of them, but they've hit on a bunch of them, right? So, Emmanuel didn't do much in that game, did he? Had one catch yeah. so in the first like quarter. I saw that one catch. Yeah. And I, I don't remember them throwing him the ball. He was in that. the game a lot. Yes, yes. But huh. he, yeah, because he's in there a lot. I mean, to the point that Chris Collinsworth said, man, he didn't get the ball that play, but what a great route Emmanuel Sanders ran. I'm thinking, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, and you were right. They only did throw it 19 times. 19, so he's 11 of 19. They, they, for, run it, they run it 47 times? I'll have to check on that. See, I, Emmanuel doesn't like that. He doesn't like that style. He wants the ball. He you better wants, get used to it, bro. He wants to be the guy. I wonder how he felt after the game, even you though know they what? won. Better get used to it. Yep. Because that's how that's how they're going to win. They if if you reverse those numbers, they don't they don't beat the Vikings. They can't protect it. Uh, it you don't. I, I. I'm rooting for San Francisco to win. But if if team if whoever they play this this coming they play Green Bay and then if they go into the Super Bowl, uh, if if those teams can get a hold of the Niners running game and make Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball 35 times, I, I don't I don't like the Niners doing that. He he. I mean I think he's a good player, but when he has to go back in the pocket in a straight drop back. Gosh, he makes some. There's some throws. You're like, oh, where are you throwing it? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo only threw for 131 yards. That seems yeah. They they managed him. I mean, they Mm -hmm. used him. He threw. He was he was aggressive with him early. Came out and threw the ball a little bit early, and then second half. I mean, they they said we're going to win this thing pounding the ball. And and Minnesota had been pretty good against the run, but they're still a two deep. They, They Mike Zimmer wants to play two deep as much as he can. You run it against a seven man box, and they made him pay. And you were right. They ran the ball 47 times for 186 yards. Jeez. Yeah, they look really good. And that's the other good game. But Kansas right. City, seven and a half point favorite over the Titans. And uh, San Francisco, a seven point favorite over the Packers. Emmanuel Sanders had two catches for 33 yards. So he had two. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Green Bay beat Seattle last night. Aaron Rodgers, the Pack are back. Hmm. That's going to be a good game. The Green Bay Niners game, looking forward to that Anytime one. Anytime you play that dude, 
That's what I think you too. You got to be worried about it, man. You know, I think the same thing. When you got Aaron Rodgers on your team, you got a chance to beat anybody. He hasn't had the typical Aaron Rodgers season. It's a new head coach, a new offense, but in a one-game thing, that guy can make throws that very few people can make. Yeah, so if you look at the Garoppolo Rodgers matchup, you know, Rodgers definitely has a decided edge I there. Agree. Um, but it the game's in San Francisco. Yep. So home field advantage. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah, no, I agree. Eleven twenty five is our time. Three oh three seven one three eight five eight five the number. This is KOA. Now, Logan and Lewis. Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Kathy Lee on KOA, the voice of Colorado. one song, so we decided we better play it here in Brazil. It's called Closure to the Heart. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how much music transcends nationality. Uh, it transcends everything. It's a universal language. Yep. It really is. And you don't have to speak English, obviously, because this concert, this live concert was in Brazil, but they obviously they obviously knew who Rush was and they knew Rush's music. I mean they're singing they're along singing along in Brazil. Crazy. To a Canadian rock band song. Yep. Yeah, it is amazing. So powerful. It's very cool. I think we're gonna get Kenny Aronoff on um the famous drummer in his own right. He knew Neil and he did an interview with Billboard magazine about Neil Peart, and I think we just cold called them, and he picked up. And Kenny's quite the character. I'm going to have to warn him that we're on live radio because he's been known to drop a few. Dragon, you might want to stay yeah, stay close to the delay button. No, we've had him on before. He's, he's, he's been in, at his best behavior. Um, right? We've had him I on two or was. three times. He, I think he, was, he drops yeah. one every once in a while. Does he? Mm-hmm. Well, we do work with you. That's true. But I've learned uh, to, you know, curb it. Yeah. All right, we got his voicemail. I uh, bet he'll call you back because he just texted me. Yeah. Keep an eye on the phone. Hmm. You probably don't recognize the number. No, I, I know. I texted him. I said, we're going to call you. Where does he live just now? Try LA? Back. He lives in L.A., yeah. Um, Great dude. And like I said, a a great drummer in his own right, one of the best in the world. And those two did a Buddy Rich tribute probably more than 20 years ago. Hmm. Neil Peart was fascinated with Buddy Rich, and he played a a Buddy Rich tribute and, and was embarrassed about how bad he played it. You know, it's a whole different style of playing. And so... Neil Peart wanted to brush up on his jazz chops and big band chops, and he started taking lessons from Peter Erskine. He consulted with Steve Smith, you know, how to how to get better, and Freddie Gruber, one of the great drum teachers yeah, of all time, yeah. and, uh, and got better and better. And he was already great to begin with. But it's really cool when, when you're great and you still have the drive to get better. Man, that's, that's magic Absolutely. Right there. In in anything. Anything. Anything you do. 
Hey, as we uh, as we wait on Kenny, uh, talking about the the football games coming up this weekend. Of course, big game tonight: college football with LSU and Clemson. The Tennessee Titans in October were four hundred to one to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think after the game when when uh, Broncos beat them, I think they were four hundred to one. They still in December, entering December, were triple digit odds against winning the Super Bowl. So if you bet on them in October and you bet $100 to win the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. It's worth 400 to one. Mm -hmm. It's very amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. I wonder what they are now. There were few believers, even in Tennessee, on December 1st, bookmaker William Hill took a $3,000 bet on the Titans to win the Super Bowl at a hundred to one. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, the potential $300,000 ticket is one of six Super Bowl bets on Tennessee at William Hill that would net six-figure wins. Wow. The William Hill people better hope that Tennessee does not win. Yeah, uh, and, and and Alan Berg, who's a senior odds maker at Caesar Sportsbook, told ESPN we'd lose a pretty good amount to the Titans in Mississippi, and in Indiana, we'll lose a pile of money if the Titans win. I wonder what the line is on the game this weekend for Tennessee. Yeah. Seven, seven and a half. Oh, seven and a half. Kansas City's seven and a half, and San Francisco's a seven-point favorite. Okay. Berg goes on to note, out of the four remaining teams, Tennessee is the best result for Caesars books in Nevada, despite a pair of $500 Super Bowl bets on the Titans at 200-1 to that were placed by a respected customer early in the season. Wow. Titans began the week as a 7.5-point underdog to the Chiefs. As I mentioned, the Niners are a seven-point favor over the Packers. If both favorites prevail, oddsmakers say the point spread on a Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Niners, they think, would open at Pickham. Interesting. Sounds about right. Yeah. So we should have bet on the Titans in the beginning of the year. Yeah, but who's, I mean. Who would have thought? Who when saw two that and coming? Four, right? They... Yeah, even, I mean, the team that played here, I'm thinking, okay, you know, with Marcus Mario, I mean, I, I didn't see anybody see outside of Mike Vrabel and the staff that the team would go this far? I I don't no. think so. No, especially after the Broncos shut him out and shut down Derrick Henry. Of course, Mariota was playing quarterback, but still they put in what, – what did they put in uh, Tannehill? Early third quarter? Yeah, midway through third quarter. Yeah, I mean, I mean and Mariota a- couldn't – I mean, the Denver played an eight- and nine-man front. Mariota couldn't complete a quick out. A hitch yeah, to an outside terrible. guy. It just was, he'd lost all of his confidence. I don't know yeah. how he ever gets that back, to tell you the truth. Maybe he will. So they were two and four when they played us. So that would have been two and five after us. 
That's probably, was that in October? Mm-hmm. That's probably when the odds were 400 to 1. Yeah. Then we played them October 13th. Yeah, and we were talking about Vrabel being on the hot seat, maybe being fired. Right. And now he's you know, one game away from the Super Bowl. That's right. Now he's the one branch off the Belichick tree that looks like maybe is a good coach. They've been, he may be the only one. Am I right? Well, he's one, we he's at one of the – I mean, week. Romeo Crennel is currently the defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. I just felt bad for him yesterday. I'm like, dude, you got to, you got to do something. I mean, it was like it was like a locomotive coming down the track at 100 miles. They couldn't get them even remotely slowed down. They scored on – Seven possessions, they scored seven straight touchdowns. Yeah, it's like a bad dream. I was at the Phoenix airport watching the game. Uh, Texans up 24-0 in the second quarter, and I thought, okay, well, it's going to be a blowout. I get on the plane. I get off the plane. I'm like, wait, wait. I checked the score. It was, I think it was 35-24. to 24. I'm like, come on. <laughs> it's no way. Oh. This can't be right. Yeah, that, that was – Epic, as you said, epic proportions. I, I know Broncos fans don't normally root for the Chiefs. I, I am. I, I'm rooting for Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. I mean, the Broncos aren't in it, right? I didn't lose anything in Houston. I haven't lost anything in Tennessee. So I, I hope the Chiefs haven't been to a Super Bowl in 50 years. I'm not rooting for them. I, I'm, I'm, I like underdogs anyway. You're rooting for Tennessee? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to root for Tennessee in the game. I, I think it would be just... Make it really interesting. Yeah. And Have we got our boy Wesley Woodyard on the team, which i like to see him win. Hmm. I mean, Mahomes is going to be around for the next 10 years to 15. He's going to get plenty of chances to win. Uh, I hope Tennessee knocks him off. Well, that could happen. I, it I could. But that's not out of the realm of possibility, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it'll happen, but it's going to be an interesting – it is a complete – you know, dichotomy in terms of style. From a stylistic standpoint, you couldn't have two different, more different teams in an NFL game. You know what's scary is that the Broncos have to play Mahomes twice a year for who knows how long. I think it's one of the biggest reasons that Rich Gangarello is looking for work today. If you look at those two games, the Broncos did not, right. they did not score a touchdown in either game. I mean, I don't... We could, we could go back and look. I'm sure Elias probably keeps up with this. I don't know that that's ever happened. And, the, and these two teams have been playing each other twice a year since 1960. Has there ever been a year that the Broncos did not score a touchdown in either game playing Kansas City? I would submit to you the answer to that is no. And that was with two different quarterbacks. Yeah. So it was Flacco and Locke. And as Mike Kliss uh, talked about on the show a little bit earlier, the game here in Denver – it's very rare. You'll you'll see games where your guys don't play well. You're, you'll see games where the other team plays better, made two or three more big plays. But it's really rare to see an NFL game where one team looks on one side of the ball looks completely overmatched. Like they don't have a clue on how to deal with what they're looking at. And that's, to me, how the Broncos looked in that game at Empower Field a mile high against Kansas City. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was like a really poor JV 
high school team playing a really good varsity high school team. You just say, why, why would you make those guys play them? And that's how it looked. I, I like the Shermer hire. I really do. I think it's a good move, and it's a bold move for the Broncos. Uh, the guys had great success in Minnesota, Philly, been around the league for a while. Certainly not the rookie offensive coordinator that Scangarello was, and it took him took Scangarello quite a long time to get up to speed. Mm. And and you have to have the right guy in there for for Drew Locke, especially since your head coach is a defensive guru. You know that's that's his side of the ball. You've got to have that guy that can develop Locke, and hopefully Shermer's that guy. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think I think Vic should be allowed. You know, to decide what what he wants the offense to look like. That's why you hired him as the head coach. And if you're not going to let him have a say, at least a say in what that offense looks like, then then he's really not the head coach. He's a defensive coordinator that actually gets to decide whether you go for it in fourth down. So I'm 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 good with them making the move. I'm anxious to see sort of what the offense will look like moving forward. I think we'll see Drew Locke in the shotgun more. Obviously, because that's sort of at least it has been Pat Shermer's mo in the past. So he doesn't use a fullback much either in his offense. He, I does, don't he, think. Does, he does not. So what do you do with the Geno? Geno has been such a valuable member of this team. You know what? You just bulk gave him a contract you, extension. You bulk him up. You get him in the weight room. He plays guard. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Geno. Maybe tight end. We do that in high school, but not not in the NFL. No, he can't play tight. Too short. Yeah. He, what, how tall is he? About six? One, maybe. Six, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Is he not fast enough to play running back? Not not a guy you mean to carry you're, the ball? You're yeah. going to turn and hand the ball to? Mm-hmm. No. So, so Jano's future here, maybe maybe they trade him. You know what we say? Up in the air. Up in the air, Dave. <laughs> you know, Rick, when you look you at it, all of our futures are up, up in the air. You know, pretty much everybody is up in the air. That's exactly right. There's a lot of them up in the air for next season. I think Giano's tradable. I think he's a tradable asset. I, I believe there are about four or five other teams. I mean, San Francisco's got the best fullback in football, so they probably don't want him unless it's as a backup. Minnesota, maybe. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name that plays fullback for Minnesota. What other teams utilize uh, a fullback? There's not many. Well, uh, no, but he, he would be one of the best out there. If somebody's looking for a fullback, I do think he's tradable. And maybe that's what they end up doing with him. Since they're not going to use a fullback anymore. Doesn't, I mean, it doesn't appear to. No. Interesting. They just gave him that big new deal, too, like halfway through the season. That's an NFL deal, though, Rick. So, yeah. No, that's guaranteed. You know what? Here's what we're going to pay you if we decide to keep you. Right. It's kind of like radio. You know, uh, you'll get paid. If here's you... what you're going to make this year, only if we decide to keep you. Yeah, and oh, by the way, you can't work for anybody else. Yeah, because you're under contract with us. That's right. And if for we want to get rid of you, we're going to get rid of you. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's radio for you, right there. Yeah, yeah. No, no job security in radio. Speaking of job security, uh, Grant and Dragon, I know you guys are always looking to make more money. Have of you course. Thought about Taco Bell. I enjoy Taco Bell. I mean, to work there. Oh. Why are they paying well nowadays or what? What do they do? What are they doing? Taco Bell managers are making six figures. Over six figures. See ya. Yeah. At least finish the show, fellas. 
You got three three more minutes with me. <laughs> and I also read that In and Out, which is opening here very soon, managers are making hundred and sixty thousand dollars. It was nice working with you guys. I'm just I don't want to. So lose instead you guys, of the instead of the White Castle, we're going to go with In and Out now, and you guys will pay Dragon and I one hundred and fifty grand. I think you should take that and go back and talk to the boss and see if you can negotiate a bump in your pay. I think that's a good move. Say, hey, I can go to Taco Bell like totally right now. doable. Yeah, yeah. totally Com- doable. You know, what they, Taco you know what they say? <laughs> hey, kid, when you do, bring me a couple tacos. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! That's... At least you get free food. You know that reminds me of Adam Carolla, the comedian. And the name of his book is "You're Not Taco Bell Material," and it's it's a true story. He applied for a job at Taco Bell, and that's what they told him: "You're not Taco Bell material." And <laughs> you'd be almost suicidal with that, would you? I mean, you'd be like, really? Yes. Well, it depends how yes. old you are. Well, at any age, if you went like to apply 16. for a job and they said you're not Taco Bell material. Well, if you're at Taco Bell and you're not, they maybe have a standard and he didn't cut it at 16. What if you're our age? Well, that would be a different It'd story. It'd be devastating. Yes. And Dragon, they're going to look at you and think you might eat the profits. No, they'd be pretty happy with me. I already have restaurant management that's experience. True, you do. So that's right. I may be able to bump that number up to 120 well, for true. Taco Bell. That's yeah. true. But they look at Grant and go, well, he's, he doesn't eat much. The product's safer with me. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd have to put a big old beard net on Dragon. Why oh, are we out of cinnamon twists again? <laughs> do they wear beard? Did you have to wear a beard net at Subway? It wasn't this long at Subway, so it was much more clean and tight. And what if you were yeah. working now today? I don't know. Would you have to wear a beard net? I honestly, I do not know. Do they have cinnamon twist at Taco Bell? Yes, yeah, they sure do. Mm, so sounds yummy. good. Is that like a churro? A little bit, yeah. But they're like, yeah, they're like this big. I never go to Taco. Bell. I don't either. Ever. I mean, I, I did when I was a kid. Right, when I, I was a kid. I go to Taco Bell once a week for my son. <laughs> you heard me the other day That's when I was in the ordering. drive-thru. That was a long order, by the way. Uh, were you ordering for a whole classroom? I was ordering his taco. He likes a taco salad with nothing on it but the meat and red chips and cheese. Well, at least he's not picky. <laughs> yeah, he's not like you. Wow. Rick's like, I'm like, hold on, I got to order. And he's like, what are you ordering? I'm like, My ordering goodness. Easton's taco salad. So anyway, guys, just want to let you know. That's out we're there. not trying to get rid of you. No, we're not. But I mean, we, you know, we're we don't want you to get the keeping jobs. our options open here. Yeah, 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 I appreciate that. Your well-being is top of mind with us. One hundred sixty thousand with Taco Bell. In and out, and a hundred plus in Taco Bell. Yep. Huh. Hey, that's hard to beat. Mm. And they probably even give you a contract with guaranteed money, unlike radio. Yeah, but they wouldn't let you wear shorts. So you're gonna have to think oh, about it. Oh, that's right. Oh no, you Ooh. could at Taco Bell probably. You know probably. I mean? I'm working behind the counter. Yeah. Who, who's to say? No, who's so, gonna see his legs? So you got a hundred thousand, but you got to wear pants. You got shave your beard. Uh, us here, you can wear shorts. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure working with you guys. I'm glad you guys will keep me around. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Hey, that's gonna do it for our show. Thanks for being with us. Uh, stay tuned. I think Mandy is still out today, and Mike Rosen will uh, be filling in. News is coming up next. Thank you, Dragon Redbeard. Thank you, Millennial Grant, for Rick Lewis and Kathy Lee. I'm Dave Logan. News next. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. on KOA. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.